we want to introduce you to our newest partner here in the fish tank. Yes, Planet Protein, a South Florida plant-based nutrition company providing rapid-fire nutrition for tough times in our lives. Featuring peanut butter cup, cherry Ooh. almond fudge, and the incredible chocolate magic protein shake mix juice, Planet Protein is the one-stop solution to keep your day going. Yeah, whether you're suiting up for Sunday. Now, you know something about that, don't yeah, you, Just juice? a little bit, or you know, watching from home. I know about that. A lot about that, right? <laughs> Too much. <laughs> Everyone has a need for quick, delicious, and nutrient dense solutions for go time and each product is packed with 20 grams of plant-based protein and superfoods to amplify your place in the game of life and guess what juice we've got a great deal for our listeners use the code fish tank that's all capital letters all one word fish tank and receive 20 percent off all purchases at planetprotein.com and also check them out on instagram at planet underscore protein you're now diving into the fish tank Sitting down with Seth Living, OJ, Juice, man, This is strictly for them true fans, golf fans. Number one, of course, y'all. This ain't no ordinary sports talk. Welcome back to the Fish Tank here on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Seth Levitt with my main man, OJ McDuffie. Juice, how we doing today? What's up, Big Seth? Man, today is a special day, OJ. It is, man. Like, when we started this thing, we drew on the chalkboard. We still have a chalkboard. The Mount Rushmore of Dolphin Storytellers, right? I mean, you have the Hall of Fame of Dolphin Storytellers, and this guy is at the top. I am honored to have Joe Rose here in the Fish Tank with us big dog big thank dog. you man thank you guys i'm sorry i've been going some some personal stuff so i've been able to get <laughs> over still, here with, still <laughs> for <laughs> like just, the last 25 I, I, years ever since i've known you you've been going through. i know man usually switches <laughs> somewhere it's always in some part of the family so yeah it's uh but no hey man it's great to be with you guys and uh it's a great concept it, it really is because you know there's a lot of stuff that you'd love to tell that you can't go on the radio, especially with the rules and regulations. And we and know how much you love management. Hate them. <laughs> <laughs> we have no management. I mean, Ethan Skolnick is technically management, so you know how that goes. No, no, no. So it's cool to be with you guys and, Great and through you, the years, man, uh, sharing a lot of stuff and watching everybody kind of grow up and go through it, either as a player or through TV and radio and doing the games and all the different coaches and all the shit over the last 20 years I've seen and general managers and head coaches not talking to each other and wives not talking to each other. There's been some real dysfunctional shit happen through the, the last 15 or 20 years. Pretty much the reason we've been the way we've been as a team in the last 15, 20 years. Yeah. And, and you know, it's funny. No, OJ, it's always been like, you know, I'm flying home and and it's always been an unwritten rule on the, on the airplane is, Hey, you can't tell this stuff. And I, and I used to sit there and and watch it going on going, no shit. You can't tell this stuff because if people ever knew, they'd know why we have problems on the football field before we even get on the football field. We've had through the years, uh, a lot of other problems. And And somehow you've been witness to damn near all of it. I have an amazingly, (laughs) amazingly, I have survived but you know the hardest thing for me has been and that's why i call myself a phony and a fraud i'm very open about being one of the great frauds of all time is you got to go on you got to tell it like it is part of your job is to tell it like it is when you see stuff on the games and obviously when things aren't going well neither coaches here or here at secondhand which is even worse usually it's caused a lot of problems and the silent treatment and you know, you've been on the wrong end of that yeah. a few times. I have, I, I have been with with a with a lot of people. Um, Tony Sperano's no longer with us. Not a fan. His wife, not a fan. 
and his son's not a fan, and Jeff Ireland, Ooh. not not a fan, and I'm trying to be nice to him because he, he, he we could write a book on the shit he screwed up here. <laughs> and his wife, I'm not a fan, and she's not a fan of mine. So yeah, I, I got a long list of, of, uh, of Saban. You know, I was there on the Nick Saban story. Listen, you guys are going to ask me questions. Here I go. Man. <laughs> We're just going to sit back and relax. Right. And you do all the work on this one, Joe. No, I, I was there when Dave Hyde said, "Are you going to be the Are you going to be the Alabama coach? Yes or no?" And he goes, "I'm famous line. I'm not going to be the Alabama coach." Right. So he came in. Uh, finish that up. He's in a real salty mood because obviously isn't the, he always in a real the, salty mood? But the mood? deal was done. So he yeah. he knew that he just blatantly lied. Right. So he comes in. He still tapes the NBC show that I that I was doing. Oh, at that you were time, doing the, the coach's, coach's show. show. So Harvey comes in. He used to beat the crap out of Harvey. Harvey Green just beat the. Uh, Harvey's a punching bag. His nickname <laughs> should be, "I'm your bitch" or "I'm your punching bag." Harvey, I'm your bitch, Green. Just. So well, he, Stu Weinstein said the same thing exactly. when Stu was on in the tank. He said that Harvey took it from Saban worse than anybody, anybody in the organization. Yeah. And, and you know, and Harvey'd go on the plane later and go after he was gone and go, he, he wasn't that bad to me. He, he wasn't that bad. I, I liked him. And I go, man, he does. Man, Harvey, he, he respects the guy. It, it's amazing because he came in. He he just started motherfucking him and the camera guys and it's awkward for everybody and and he starts and we go to start and he stops it and he goes you know i i don't why are we talking about this stuff and and he he's going nuts and he went through the whole show amazingly oj and seth talking about how they need to get better what they needed to do so i'm thinking he must be right right he was actually you bought in he was breaking down hey we got to improve here and you know i'm looking to upgrade this and he went through the whole thing and walked out the back door and you know the the alabama van was ready to move him out (laughs) and the alabama airplane was at the fort lauderdale port He'd already checked out, but he went through and still did that show. Wow. And it must have been another check coming through. Well, so we ended up not running the show. I mean, we could we couldn't wow, run the yes, show because right. he was gone. That would have looked right. bad. But you know, I was just thinking, man, some of this stuff, uh, it's amazing. It, it really has been amazing. He, he had a tough time with a lot of players on the team, too, right? I mean, he thought he was dealing with a bunch of kids, but he realized he's dealing with grown men on that football team. You know, it's weird, and you guys know this, so mm-hmm. and you two know these two guys really well. Zach Thomas hated him. <laughs> and Jason Taylor loved them. So I used to tell JT, I go, hey, true, yeah. I go, JT, what's it like to be the only guy on that team that loved them? <laughs> You're the only one. He And, you know, JT laughs. And he go, well, he put me in a, and I go, oh, you could have played a 4-3 or a 3-4. Your ass was good no that matter good, what. That good. Like, yeah. OJ, you were going to be good if, if we were going four wide, three wide, or two wide and two tight end. You were going to be a real good player. Like, certain guys, it doesn't matter the system. You just put them out and say it's 11-on-11 football. They're good. You don't need that. You guys aren't specialty guys. <laughs> So, so you know, I try to when he goes, oh man, we got you know. I go, okay, yeah, yeah. that was the yeah. that was the deal. But you know, he hated the media, still does. Tough on his coaches. Um, come to find out, a lot of guys now the, the Alabama players love him. The, the Dolphin guys that come in. If all you did was win a championship right. every year, you, you might you find probably a way love to deal him too, it. and you yeah. get drafted high, and so make for a that, lot of money. Sure, but, but yeah. I'm guessing OJ. What, what OJ was talking about. I'm guessing a lot of guys that played here didn't like him because he tried to talk to him like they were Alabama freshmen and sophomores. Right, right. You can't, you can't do that. Right, and those kids don't know any better. That's bottom line. You know, they know what the end result's going to be planned for him. Right. But you get well coached. Exactly. You, you get you're on national TV. Yeah. You're going to get drafted. Everybody, you start. a national title all the time. Yeah. That's that's what they're looking at that's more right. than anything. Totally agree. Three years and out. So, and actually, it's a great way to start the show because you're talking about 
your experience with Saban as a broadcaster, as somebody who covered him, who you did the coaches show with him. You had a seven-year NFL career, the majority of it here with the Miami yeah. Dolphins. And then, you know, really you made that transition into being a broadcaster. And that's how folks know you these days. And certainly that's how you've uh, done really well for yourself. That's how Mrs. Rose stays happy. You Both make a hell of a yeah. All of them. All of them. All of Mrs. Rose. All happy are, they all, are they all happy? I no, don't know. they're not. I was no, going to say. No. But, you knew that. But so, you know, that's where you've really made your careers in broadcasting. How did that come to be? What was that transition like? And did you know in school that, hey, one day I'm going to play ball as long as I can, and then I'm going to become a broadcaster? How did you become the big dog? You know, I always tell everybody, I would like to tell you that I used football too. And in my mediocre career that I had <laughs> on really good teams, but by no means, you know, was I a must-have on the team if you're going to win games. But uh, I, I was able to to get in there and, and get enough and, and make, you know, I, it's funny. Everybody asks me, starting with, well, are you able to save a lot of money? I go, save a lot of money? <laughs> I said, with uh, all those playoff teams and everything, I made under a, a million dollars in, in seven years. In your entire of, career? In my, enti- wow. in my entire career, right at 900-something. I was actually trying to figure it out with you know, a couple $2,500 bonuses in there, but it wasn't much. So, so when people start talking, throw a little divorce in there and all of a sudden that (laughs) that doesn't go anywhere. So maybe a party or two. uh, I didn't miss too many. (laughs) I got in with a, got in with the wrong group of guys like to have fun and, and uh, not in South Florida. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I I like to go out. It was just different place, but same, same kind of fun as uh, everybody else. But uh, yeah, I, I had hit pretty much rock bottom to be honest. Mm. I I was down and out. I was out of football and uh, man, I, I was, looking for something to do and and uh limited on what I could do and it was too late to go back to California cuz nobody knows who you are and you're almost 30 years old or right at 30 years old so uh I knew the one thing I loved was all sports I grew up playing them all a lot like you OJ you know yep. played everything and uh, grew up in a small town and back then everybody played every sport so uh, I was really lucky and had a real love for all of them and shared them with my father and I come from an athletic family so uh, my uncle and my my cousin played baseball professionally so I, I was just around it and I really liked it and it was the one thing I really wanted to do and so I started with the radio thing not knowing where it was going to go started doing uh, 10 to 2 radio at QAM 10 to 2 in the morning 10, or in 10, the evening? 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Oh, Ooh. you were on the Back night then, shift. I, I got all the liquored up, uh, <laughs> Coke snorting, son of a guns early. No, I got Not them South all Florida. coming home, and the guys would call and have a little buzz and go, hey, How many of them did you know? Hey, Joe, fuck you, man. <laughs> I banged your old lady. <laughs> oh, you got brutal stuff, man. And you're like, all right, hey, great. Thanks for calling, Sam. Uh, off and, 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 and you're off and, and running with the next one for 19 grand. Started at. Uh, I still remember, like yesterday, $19,000, no live spots, nothing else. It was a tryout because at that point, I'd been a real, uh, should I say dysfunctional or a real fuck up? Whichever uh, one. Fuck up works. I mean, that works. Uh, somewhere. Again, podcast, this is not WQAM today. In between the two. And so uh, that was the, the first guys really gave me uh, an opportunity. And then I got a vision that, like, this can work. I got to grow up a little bit, but but this can work, and uh, and it kind of started with that, and then then I got a real feel for like how big it could get early on, and uh, and then I just went all out. Now I didn't know the dolphin stuff would be added to it because at the time Coach Shula and I used to go at it pretty good, and I was pretty critical <laughs> of him from time to time on the on the radio, and you know then I started hearing stories inside the building, and I shared those with everybody. So yeah, that was. Uh, 
that was a pretty crazy time for sure. Yeah, we both played for Coach Shula, as you know. You know, mm. I, I I enjoyed my time with with Coach. Coach was was pretty good for me. You know, everything went pretty right. Yeah, I think we're pretty left for you and Coach Shula as a player. <laughs> obviously, it seems like as a you broadcaster know, it, as well at times. It, it's <laughs> it's a great point because you know what I to this day give him a lot of credit for. You know, I came in and right out of Berkeley. And uh, I was a little, I was a little wild, maybe a little wilder than I thought when, when I came out and doing a little reflection now, Joe. Just doing a little looking back at uh, at the time and and some of the things. So I got drafted and you know ended up making the team and there was something they felt I could do and and everything else. But we were really good. Now listen, he treated everybody as you know OJ the same. He was tough. Yes, but he was. He was very well respected and and you knew he's doing the right things to win games and and we won a bunch of them in uh, in the eighties. But. Uh, our problems really for me started with the whole doctor thing and and I did something that you know I've told this story a lot there's different versions of it and other guys now all my buddies tell it too that were in the meeting room when when I walked out but I hurt my shoulder I separated my shoulder against the Pittsburgh Steelers on the road and I came home and of course it already been diagnosed that I needed a, an operation back then it was Charlie Virgin who's no longer with us was a team doctor not a very good one you know, and I'd seen all the guys before me. You know, I'd seen guys not come back, guys you play with weren't returning, and uh, and everything else. So, you know, I uh, <laughs> it's actually a very funny story. It's a very funny drinking story. So here, here's what I do. So I come home, and down the street, not too far from me, was a doctor uh, by the name of Dr. Canal, who was, a, at the time, the Yankee doctor. Later on, he'd become the Dolphin doctor. So this is Dan Canal. Yeah, Dan mm-hmm. Canal. Okay. Yeah. But he was a famous doctor, and he was known as the New York Yankee doctor. But he wasn't was, affiliated with the team. At the well, time. wasn't okay. with the Dolphins, but he's a Yankee doctor. Somebody found out about it and said, hey, Doc would like to see your shoulder, man, before you, you go in and, and get fixed. Just to, It's safe to do. It's what most teams do outside the NFL. Right. Exactly. Uh, get that and second so opinion. Get a second opinion, which now is everybody gets second, third, fourth. Nobody gets mad. So I, I did. I actually went, well, it's a pretty smart thing. Let me just have him look at it. So I uh, I went over and saw a big doc's here and he takes it and he goes, oh, you just got a third degree separation it'll heal on its own you have a bump on there shouldn't have any problems it'll heal give it some time you should be back so well that's great doc but i got a little problem um the team thinks i'm going into mercy hospital to get operated on in the morning and i'm supposed to be checking in like now so so well you got to do what you do and i understand and and you know i understand the way the the nfl works and and the miami dolphins work but i'm just telling you you don't have to so you do whatever you want. I say thanks. You know, it gives you a lot to think about. You know, nobody wants to get cut on. Man. I don't Never. care a name. Nobody wants to get operated on. So I go in. Coach Shula is in there off day. So I decide um, I got to ambush him. I got to go in and <laughs> see if I can soften him up on buying into this doctor that I saw. I knew the answer, though. Now, when was the surgery scheduled? Like, was this the, the day? Next, the, the next day? day? The next day. You're, okay. <laughs> so the day before the surgery, you walk into Coach Shula's Well, I'm office. going to check in. Like, the doctor, like, as we got off the airplane from Pittsburgh, okay. we win and go to 4 or 5 and 0, oh, whatever it was. And, and so, so you know, getting off. And I go, all right, we'll see ya. you. Know, uh, you know, you check in tomorrow, and then we'll operate the following day. Wow. So I said, wow, Okay. And I was in a lot of pain. I could see it. I mean, I, I mean, it really hurt. So I was like, where something wasn't right. So I go to Shula on his off day, and he's in his office and going through stuff. And I go to the secretary. Can I see Coach? Oh, okay. And she, oh, you're feeling okay? Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> so anyway, Coach Shula's in his office. And so I, you're never sure how to do that. No. He's so, 
It was so intimidating. I found him to be the says. most intimidating man I've ever been around. Like everybody else since has been a powder puff to me because I was with that guy for seven years. <laughs> so so anyway, I um I go in there and I decide, you know, I pull one of those Joe Rose con jobs. It just doesn't work. I go, Coach, I got hey, just one I got a second here and hey, I, I got some great news I wanted to share with you. Christ, what? You're getting on, you're going down to get operated on what and and I said, Well, coach, you know, um, I saw another doctor, it's very well respected. He's a New York Yankee doctor. He's in Fort Lauderdale. His name's Dan Canal. He's great, man. He said, this thing will heal on its own. Like, I don't really need to go down to Mercy Hospital. Just give me a little time. I should be back, you know? And he blows it. <laughs> <laughs> a baseball doctor? Oh, wow. Give me with the, the baseball, baseball piece. thing on uh, this, this is football, not a baseball doctor. Our doctor, Charlie Virgin, said, you need to get that. Get down there. And, you know, he went through. And, you know, he, he, could, get, he could get right to it. <laughs> <laughs> that was it, man. There was no more. I had put my head. There was no follow up. <laughs> oh no, it came to a quick halt, man. I remember, and I was. You I, gave I, it a shot. You gave. I it a gave shot. it a shot. I tried it. I damn. I talked to the doctor. You're not a doctor, and and so anyway, I, I went out. I, I was bummed. I was bummed. I jumped in my car, headed down to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> headed right down. I was thinking, you know, there's a shot, man. I'm coming back home tonight. You know, and, and it didn't happen. So, so I go to Mercy Hospital back then. That was the that was the Dolphin Hospital to get operations. So I go down there and check in and starts. You know, they shave your different parts. And oh, you're going through the whole triage. They're prepping right. you. Oh no, I'm done. I'm done. Give me wow. you're giving me pills for uh, for pain. Everything. Take your clothes. Now you're in that gown with nothing underneath. I mean, and they're shaving. So now uh, the lady shaving, she's working off the, the piece of paper, what was going to happen. So she shaves my thigh. Ma'am, can I, can I ask you, like, while well, I'm here and not feeling real good about this operation to start with, what does my thigh have to do with my shoulder? She said, well, um, we're, we're probably going to take a ligament out of your, your thigh Holy to man. strap it down. And I went, and first thing I, I thought <laughs> it was like, oh, fuck no. That was my first thought is like. I mean, just talking man to man with, we don't have cold beers here, but I was like, oh no, this ain't cut. This is bad. So I let her shave it. They put that orange dye stuff on you to clean you to make sure. I mean, I, I was prepped. I was prepped and, and ready to go. They're ready to wheel you in. Damn, damn. And I've always had one problem in life and I still fight it. I make tough decisions way too late and, and it puts, <laughs> it, I've, I've broken off engagements at the last second. I've done that. Four or five times, I have. I've I've done it four or five times. When many of those good decisions, though, I, I think most have been good decisions. But it's just the way I handle things. Got it's just it. there's a better do it early, sure. face it instead of yeah. like run from yeah. it and hope it'll disappear because it never does. So anyway, I became the first NFL player, as Marino always tells me, that walked out of the hospital. <laughs> wait, wait, an hour before the surgery in the morning, I literally. Was supposed to get operated on at 6 a.m. that next morning. All prepped that night, drugged up, came in and gave me more drugs in the morning before they put you out, getting ready to bring that. So this is the next morning. This is you're in the gown on the table, a little woozy, and, and you ready. just stand up and just like sneak out of the hospital. I um ass hanging out of the yeah for the gown. <laughs> I, I, I the one thing I remember <laughs> from that crazy time in my life is I looked up and mercy is uh. It's a Christian hospital, and you know, I had the cross up there. Jesus up on that cross. Oh, you had a moment. I had I had a moment, and boy, and he had a right to look at me and like, really? <laughs> now you want to ask me for something all the shit you've done? 
And uh, man, I, all I remember is looking up at this, and, and I said, "I'm making a move right now. This might just be the end." But I, I'm getting up, and I did. I, I got up off that thing. They're coming in. These two nurses. I stood up. Now I only had one arm was working. The other one was still in super pain. I remember I couldn't get my underwear on. <laughs> Nobody's helping you. No. I wanted to get my underwear on, and then I just realized. I don't even give a shit if these women see my small package, and I could care less at this point. So I grab what I can, grab my keys and stuff, and I go, I'm, I'm leaving. And they go, and, and, I, and I understand, like, through the years, I was kind of mad at the nurses and stuff because they were saying, you can't leave. Nobody's ever done this. What are you doing? And here comes Charlie through the front door. I mean, oh, I, so you did see him. Oh, I saw him. Charlie Virgin comes walking in. You're walking out. Well, they Still trying to get your damn underwear on. I, I'm just trying to get what I can. I end up walking out of there half naked. I mean, I grabbed whatever. Right. I, I grabbed my stuff in one arm. I get my keys and stuff. And I only had one that was working. And the other arm was just, it, it was messed up. And um, he said some stuff. I said some stuff back at him. Because then I had to get kind of tough. Like, you know, I don't want anybody blocking the door. I, I don't feel like playing. I'm in no mood to play. I'm sure I was a jerk, man. I, I mean, I'm sure I hit the top of the jerk meter. But uh, I walked out of there. And uh, I remember him saying, Shula's not going to be happy when he finds out. Like, he knew that whatever he said to Shoes would go. And so, you know. That ruined that relationship because I was there a couple more years, but it, it changed when I did that and I went against policy of the team. I mean, people ask me, would I do it again? And I mean, honestly, I don't I don't know. Right. Because right. I did come back and I did play late in the year and and I, I played well and I was there for the playoffs and stuff. And 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 so it's good. But it put a real strain. And when you don't have that team doctor on your side and you've been through stuff, it made it awkward, but it was, so I go home. Oh, tough guy here. Drives home, drive myself home, go back Crazy. to my house. And I went, wow, I did it. And I go, man, now I got a face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how quickly, yeah. Juice, do you think that Charlie Virgin dialed up? I mean, there's no cell phone. Joe didn't get out of the parking lot. Yeah. He didn't get so, out of the parking lot. No, no, lot. you're that right. Was me. So I go back. So now I start getting calls from the guys. I go back home. I'm drugged up, man. I mean, I drove I home. I can't believe you drove home. I mean, that's I drove crazy. home. I got to tell you, I don't remember that drive from Dade to Broward County, but I was I was lit up on, I mean, you know, relaxers. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Thank God he didn't have any alcohol with it. <laughs> but uh, so I shoot home, and so the phone starts ringing. I remember Kim Camper came over to check, and, it, and so they're all like, he was in morning meeting, and he's fucking pissed. <laughs> <laughs> and he had thought I left town to go to so California. He thought I jumped on a plane and went to California. Oh, he, to Coach Sula thought you skipped town. He thought I skipped town to go see doctors out there. Oh. He thought I went to the whole, you know, <laughs> California, those bunch of different kind of people out there. And, oh, their doctors are better, right? So I was just hiding out, man. I was scared to death. You know, I'm thinking I'm getting cut. I mean, right, you you go cut cutting somebody making forty something thousand bucks ain't gonna kill nobody, <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, it's like hey, no big deal. Yeah. He, the team eat that in a heartbeat, man. So and Charlie uh, Virgin was making a hell of a lot more than you were. Yeah, so yeah, he sure <laughs> I mean, was. That's the reality. Of he, he had a lot more pull, <laughs> right? Right. No then question. So so yeah, and then finally I had to go see him. I finally grew a pair. Right, right. About four days later, I Damn. told you. So you were on the lam for four days, <laughs> and the secretary is calling me every few hours. Coach Shula wants oh, to talk to you. Man. Coach Shula wants to talk to you. I hear that recording just keeps going off. <laughs> Coach Shula wants you. Coach Shula wants to talk to you. So finally, the, you know, and my guys are going, man, you got to face him, man. He's pissed. He's really pissed about this. <laughs> so I finally show up, and he just hammers me. 
he just rips me. <laughs> I mean, you know, little tears. I wasn't crying. I wasn't crying, but they were a little, a little like, emotional. I got, I get a little watered up, and I and and was asked to not show up. We were playing Cleveland the next week at home, and asked me to please not show up, <laughs> stay home. You're not welcome. Wow. And then he gave me a time. He said, "Charlie told me you'd be back in six weeks. You got six weeks to get healthy. Good luck." Oh wow. shit. So Canel was right. So I was back in six. I wasn't, it wasn't ready. Right. No, but, but what, so he was saying six weeks if you had had the surgery. Yeah, which I, I don't know how they came up with that. Like I, I, I was thinking you're going to operate. And I was going to be back in maybe six. Yeah, right. And and that's not a scope back then. You're saying they're no, cutting it, ligaments from your knee, right? Your thigh, your whatever. Thigh. Too. So, so. I, I don't know, but all I know is I can't believe they put sudden, a timetable on you. All of a sudden, Coach Shula hits me with the six weeks, <laughs> and I was like six weeks. Damn. And I'm still in like serious pain right. at this point. So so anyway, I came back in six and <laughs> jumped back out there. I put the How biggest the pad. Feeling? Oh, it was terrible. I get. I mean, it was still bad. I I could move it, but I could tell like. But you couldn't tell him that you weren't going to be ready, no. right? There was like no way. Sucked it up the rest of the year. That and, might have been the best possible and re- outcome for you, with considering how Shula was feeling. But it was uh, true. It was a tough one, and, and that that kind of that changed things. But guys started after that. You saw so the guys, relationship from there with you and Coach. Well, yeah, you feel like it's it, it changed a little bit because you know to him going against he felt yeah. like he was big on the team thing, and he felt doctors mm. part of and th- and back then it was one doctor for everything. Thing. It right. just was, and, and it's not like that. I know the league's a lot better now, but but that was it. But but that changed things and put a little friction on on things for for me for for a little while. And but but things have been good, you know, through the years with uh, with coaching and even charity events now. But I do still remember those. I mean, <laughs> that damn story stick with you for a long ass time. That imagine. doesn't uh, that doesn't leave. Who doesn't want to get an edge over Vegas and the books? Well, give yourself a shot and download the BetQL app. BetQL is the only mobile app that puts all the important research you need to make smart bets in one place. With BetQL, you can easily see how the lines have moved. And this app gives you access to public betting trends in real time so you can see which side the public favors. BetQL's powerful algorithm gives users value bets of the day based off of detailed recent and historical trends. You can also calculate your return on your picks and track them throughout the day the best part of it all you can download betql for free from your apple or android device now look i should not make a habit of telling you to pause your podcast but as soon as i'm done telling you about betql you need to pause it because if you're looking to be informed when you're making those bets visit your app store or google play right now or head to betql.co to download the only app you need to outsmart vegas betql is brought to you by the creators of rotoql the leading daily fantasy lineup optimizer trusted by 100,000 DFS players. And of course, RotoQL is also available for free for download on both your Apple and Android devices. BetQL. Get the app now. What's up, Big Seth? What's going on, Juice? Hey, you know everybody wants to make money, but I always ask, yeah. who's keeping track of your money? No doubt about it, man. That's why for the past 15 years, I've gone to my guy Rob at ARS and Associates for all of my personal and professional accounting needs. Oh, man. Rob's the best, and his son is one heck of a baseball player. Yeah, he is. Rob's also so professional. He's trustworthy. Hey, you know, that's the most important part, man. It definitely is. And the entire team at ARS handles personal accounting, corporate, bookkeeping, payroll. Hey, they also work with athletes and charities, correct? You know they do. 
you. So call ARS and Associates for a free consultation at 305-653-7350. Ask for our guy, Rob, or visit their website at arsaccounting.com. That's arsaccounting.com. And make sure you mention that the fish tank sent you to get your first month of payroll services free. I feel like I was there because, you know, like you said, then after you were done playing, you got on them pretty good. Oh, I got on on you. Oh, yeah. You got on them pretty good. In the morning, I got after them. Tony Eggles used to tell the story where he Story. <laughs> you know this one? No. So I guess Tony was talking to Joe at a practice or something, and Coach calls Tony in, and he says, I saw you talking to Joe. And he goes, yeah, yeah, Joe. And he goes, listen. You're right, you say it. Joe Rose is an asshole. Yeah. And Joe anytime you an see asshole. him around here, you treat him like he's an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember, so your son, Garen, played with his grandson, at St. Thomas, they played on the football team I can't together. believe you remember this. Because no, I, I was there with you. I don't remember where we were at. But, like, you guys had this kumbaya moment, and that was it. It, it changed forever. Um, and I guess that's I'm the family there. man that Coach was. The uh, the St. Thomas Cardinal Gibbons game. It was uh, Gibbons. Okay. I was, at, I was there with you. I don't know if it was JV or varsity game. But anyway, um, you know, my son tells me, hey, I'm really good friends with such and such Shula. It's David Shula's kids. And, you know, at that time, I was having some issues with David Shula, too, as my <laughs> coordinator. So, I mean. A lot of damn time, issues, Joe. I had a lot of issues in general. So, so anyway, the kids became good friends. And, hey, I'm staying there tonight, Dad. And he's staying. And so, um, Coach Shula show up at the, at the games. I, I sat with them. We just kind of talked and. That I literally it just kind of it kind of went all away. In the past, it was you know I thought for sure like hey coach you know kind of rips you pretty good over <laughs> yeah. the years and because I know he ain't gonna apologize for anything it was gonna be a one way <laughs> apology. So so anyway and, and you know what through the years it's funny when you decide to do talk radio when I decide to really jump in it you know you realize through the years at times and oh I don't know if I ever hurt you but like I, I do know, <laughs> nah, you're, know. Good. you're good you're what great skeletons are in no 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 but but certain guys through the years of you're gonna say stuff gonna say and, and it's not sure. personal it's just right. like dude the guy's not playing well you know and so you got guys that grew up in South Florida that still don't like me to this day that and you say stuff about guys and coaches and and schemes that guys are doing and you know my job on the on the radio is to like Dolphin, you can't bullshit Dolphin fans. They sure. know. So if I'm going on, going, oh, what are you talking about? He's throwing great right now. And play calling was really good. It's just, you know, the offensive line. You know, yeah, you lose your credibility. Right. People are going, really? You're going to blame everything on the old line? Like, <laughs> so so you know, and then and, and then the, the problem became, and I remember when those guys just started with like, hey, man, we'd like you to do the games. And I was like, man, I, I love being around football on the weekends, but but I don't feel real comfortable because I just know there's going to be a time, and it happened. It happened with me and Tim Bowens. Tim Bowens about killed me one day in the locker room. Big Timbo. Big who's Timbo. What the one hell the... did you say? So that's one of those where I think you right. put your journalistic integrity aside. Well, I thought his dad. And you just stay away. He was from talking. Timbo. He was talking after the game and just stopped and saw me. And I had it with Alex Fernandez, who came in as free agent pitcher. We got. I mean, I, I had my moments <laughs> when you when you talk about like, hey, Alex, if you're going to pitch here, bro. Because he came in here, he looked about 300 pounds when he got here, and I, he signed a big contract and said, dude, why don't you try losing some weight? You, you're, you, you, you'll pitch better. So, you know, it got it back to him right away if he didn't hear it, you know, live. Back then, we were the only show in town, and so I got back, and we had the Marlins games and everything else on our air, so that, that well, cost I, some heat. I think you could talk to athletes like that because you were an athlete. Some guys get 
upset when guys that never played at your level or their level talk like that to certain players. And I think that most guys had a little more respect for you and guys like Bo in the locker room that actually were in the trenches like that. Yeah. I, it's funny. Well, you think so, at least. Yeah. I've had, you know, and it's funny, like Sam and Sam Madison and I are close, but I can remember Sam when I walked in, and you know Sam would let you know what he was thinking. He would. And uh, and so there were some, there were different guys through the years that, that had, that were fireballs that would like, hey, man. All you do is rip us. Why are you here? <laughs> um, so, so I had my moments with with different people. Olive Adati had a had oh. a soft. Now I'm randomly going through the yeah, all hate it. Joe Rose list. <laughs> Tom Olive Adati might have to have a second episode here. We're we're, we're we're at a softball game the off season. He comes up. He sees me. I go, oh, you got a fucking ball showing up. <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm going, oh, okay, yeah, you know, and I'm a little wild myself. Go, oh, okay, and he goes. Oh, really? Like, you're fucking ripping me and my schemes every day? And I can't come outside. My family has to hear it. And, like... <laughs> he got like, it bad. He got it bad. He, he, he from, took... From everywhere, though. He, oh, he was from you. everywhere. It wasn't just you. But apparently my part was he felt that I was leading uh, the cheerleading <laughs> at that point of, like, you're not a very good coach. But you know what? That's the double-edged sword. Like, Juice brought up yeah. the fact that, hey, we respect you because you've been in the trenches and you've played the game. But at the same time, there's probably players who think that you won't come at them because you played. Like, it's the code in the locker room. And so when maybe that fourth wall or whatever it is that's broken, maybe it hurts that much more. I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah. Well, well no, I mean, obviously, no, 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 I don't no, know. But, 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 you know, that I always felt. Awkward silence. I, I, no, I, it was for a second. <laughs> a little fucked up. But, but, but there have been. You expected more or something different from you, and, and he wasn't but, getting he, it. He didn't know Joe Rose then. I mean, at that point, point, you're already you know, being and honest about. You're trying to be honest. And, and then sometimes instead of <laughs> leave it alone, I'd sell, sell a certain guy. Like, like, dude, you're mad at me. Like, dude, look at the way you're playing. Like, how, right. what would you say? Do you think you're playing well? And if you hit him with that, but still there's a way to do it. And I always didn't have, haven't had the best tact uh, to get into that, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. so I, so I understand uh, that, that there's been stuff with, <laughs> yeah. And, and so, I always run it. That's what I run into too. Is when I was doing stuff with the Dolphins and for the Dolphins, you have to say things a different way. Then, you know, you can get the same point across, but you have to, articulate a little, a little different than you would if you're not with the Dolphins. You know, you can't sure. say this guy stinks, this guy sucks. You got to say he has to play better. I'm not a guy. First of all, anybody on, gets, on yeah. a professional team doesn't right. suck. Right. I, Correct. I remind the other guys that, that, that do that on the radio, if I see them, and, you know, guys around me on the radio without saying you, the shows. Yeah, you, you let the guys on the other, other shows listen, let dude, them know. Yeah. Dude, what do you listen, need to with that? Like, <laughs> like suck? Right. Like, you're saying the guy sucks? I always love the guys that are always telling them, oh, that guy sucks. Yeah. And I'm going, bro, you didn't even play friggin', you didn't even play elementary flag football. Like, you're saying this guy sucks. Like, he doesn't suck. Believe me, if he sucked, the coach would dump him. Right. There's a zillion guys waiting for jobs. Hell, they're going to start two new offseason football leagues. They think there's enough, enough players. players right? So believe me, the NFL, which stands for not for long, is going to take the best guys. True. So Indeed. I always true. always get a kick out of that. So here's the question I have for you, and I've always wondered this, Juice. You and Coach Shula took a long time to repair that relationship. Sure. But yet you're you were the roommate of the most important player on the like you were David Woodley's roommate. Then you were Dan Marino's roommate. So here's the coach who has an issue with you, thinks that you're this anarchist, thinks you're an asshole and treat you like an asshole. But yet you you're how do you end up rooming with the quarterback? He knew we were close and he never I give coach credit. I mean, last time I saw coach was at Dan Marino foundation thing, him saying something. So I, I always felt through the years, I mean, it's one thing to go to 
equipment manager, and it's another go to the quarterback. Sure. So and, if it was good so, for the team, he didn't want to disrupt team chemistry. Right. But he still had an issue. I think he knew that, you know, Don Shula knew everything. Like, like I always tell everybody this. I don't know if you felt this, OJ. Don Shula was amazing, even in the 80s. And by the way, I'm talking about the cocaine cowboys, the Colombian cartel, the Cuban gangs. Coach Shula knew amazingly. I was always amazed because – We've had coaches through the years that are just zeroed in on football and have blinders on. This guy had police chiefs coming in. Like, my man knew, hey, want to tell you, uh, one of the uh, families up in New York is down here, and they're hanging out at such and such club. You guys need to get out of there. There's going to be a bus coming up. Wow. And, I, I was, and I was always amazed at all the places. And, and of course, they're all the good places. Now, you had all, all the beautiful places, girls, too, apparently. Right? No, 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 no. But but we had meetings in yeah. the 80s. I don't know, if OJ, if you had that. but Team meetings. We had team meetings where, like, hey, listen, heads up. Some of you guys have, have been seen. Um, I, I, Can we say the clubs now? After Absolutely. All these years? Absolutely. I guess we're all right. Roland's. I remember Roland's in September. So I'm going back to the old school Fort Lauderdale uh, Fort Yeah, I don't think anybody's clubs. coming after you. For... No, I hope not. I, well, they're not even around anymore. <laughs> they're killing our business now, Joe. <laughs> but uh, so so I remember he's like, hey, and, and, I, and I'm looking around the room going, shit, there's got to be 20 guys on two, three nights a week in that club because there are a lot of beautiful ladies in that club and, cl- and clubs. Right. And, uh, and so now, and I could just see Coach going, hey, you know, uh, you guys uh, – they're, they're, we've got uh, there's things going on and, and they're being watched. These clubs are being watched for bad people, and and you guys are going to them. And I was always amazed that that he knew. Like, don't think you're going out. He knew limousines that were bad guys were picking players up after games at the Orange Bowl to go out and have fun. And, and why not? Well, they're talking about these bad guys. These bad guys had eight, ten beautiful ass girls in the back of them, and our guys didn't care about them being a bad guy. They wanted to go out and have fun, right? With the, you know, we're all young and dumb. So with that, though, do you think he ever, so he didn't disrupt it, but do you think he ever sat up at night and was like, holy shit, Joe Rose is with my, my quarterback. quarterback. <laughs> like, the guy who's playing. <laughs> do you captain. think that that he ever, I mean, I, I, I know the famous quote with Coach Shula is like, I don't get ulcers, I give ulcers. But I just got, I have to think if he knew all that and, and probably had an idea of how you like to entertain well, he, yourself he call, off the He called the guys out. Like, he, he had without getting to the name of the guys, he called them in and said, listen, man, you guys been seen. It's got to stop. I don't want to see you guys at okay. this club. Uh, one so night, just dealt with it. Duriel Harris, who was a receiver back then. <laughs> I don't want to name names. Well, this is a lighter one. <laughs> Duriel Harris did a midnight back then. Those wet t-shirt contests were big. Oh, yeah. Playpen and some of these clubs. And, and they always had football <laughs> players doing them. Right. And, uh, and so there were professional, beautiful girls that would come in that knew they they were winning them all. I mean, you know, they they do they work they, in the circuit. They do three a night if they could. <laughs> if they were, they go from Coke and Grove right up to Fort Lauderdale, you know, and all the hot places before South Beach and and and, and you're a judge and you know and they're and they're putting water and they're, would you like to see them in the back and you're like you know and then you're <laughs> they'd stay around. They wanted to win at, at any cost, no matter what. So Duriel's name was promoted. Duriel Harris will be the lead. So next day he comes in and coach shows him, hey, I, so. How'd your how'd your thing go last night? All sarcasm, right? Because because that cost you a fucking max fine on that. So the coach knew or had guys around him that he didn't want to be out. He had police chiefs. He had detectives. Well, we did he have Stu Weinstein in the tank, so we know that there was a system. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I was always amazed back then. Believe me, as you know, Miami was built on 
on drugs. I mean, the cl- if you've watched uh, the shows that are out, the right. documentaries that right. are really good on it. Cocaine, Cocaine Cowboys, Cowboys is yeah. just mm-hmm. the greatest thing of, of all time. Not to be debated. <laughs> the greatest thing of all time. <laughs> well, it was Cocaine just built true. by, you yeah. know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. by a, a combination of the Cuban and Colombian cartels that were that were running the show. It all st- Everything started coming through here. Joe, you've done your research, yeah. man, and we respect I, that. I actually had a birthday party <laughs> in the Grove that I, right. that, I, that I didn't know anything about. I knew, I knew nothing. Surprise about party. It. Okay. Surprise I party. This. And uh, I, I barely got back to the facility on a Friday morning, and Sula had me up in his office ripping my ass about it. So you, you're right. He knew A party everything. you didn't even know was going to happen. I didn't know it was going to happen. And Coach Sula knew. Well, because <laughs> one, one, one of those parties, I don't remember which one it was for OJ, but it was a Friday night, and uh, there was a party for OJ in the Grove. <laughs> and I don't know if this is the same one, so... <laughs> So you're uh, saying there could have been a few. So anyway, I get that call, you know, seven o'clock when we used to just take a zillion calls, good and bad. You, you lined up Fred, Harry, <laughs> Sam, Jax, you know, nobody's Grove. screening the calls. Yeah, just, and okay. Everything was getting through and right. occasionally you dumped them and sometimes you missed. So anyway, they're going, I tell you, hey, Joe, I can tell you why the Dolphins have lost four in a row. And I go, oh, well, you know, I thought he's gonna give me the theory running games not working. He goes. <laughs> The offensive line. O.J. McDuffie and the whole friggin' team were out last night in the Grove at such and such a place and all came out and most of them were drunker than can be at about 2 a.m. And so this guy's giving a scouting report. And you know when you're losing. Yeah. And even you hung though, up on him, right? Even though Thursday or Friday. No, no, I didn't. But, you know, I see O.J. later and he goes, damn, man, who like who was on there? Some guy got through, man. And Oh, man, shoes ripped my ass for being out with the whole, all the guys. They, I said, he have to rip that whole damn team from what I heard because they were all there at O.J.'s party. At Marino's. <laughs> at at Marino's. So speaking of Dan, and he's your roommate, there had to be, right? You know, despite all of this, despite Coach Shula saying don't go here and don't go there and Stu Weinstein and all the police chiefs, there had to be some moments that you and David Woodley and or you and Dan Marino maybe had a good time and built a story or two. Oh, man. I've got, <laughs> got great stories. Uh David was a different dude. He's no longer with us. Yeah. He passed away at age forty-six way or too something. Way, way too, too young. Way too young. Kind of. I call him the forgotten quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. He really you is. Go through the greasy. Everybody as you get older goes greasy and Marino. Sure. Go, no, no. There's there's some other guys in there. He's a hell of an athlete too. Gra- yeah. he, he was a great athlete. He was out of LSU. He was uh, he was really good. He's a little different now. Yeah. He uh, he was a little different. He, he did some things, man, <laughs> where like he, he was a different dude. What, what's David Woodley's story? Can I tell here? I got some great ones. I tell like we're out drinking uh, about him because he he was his uh, different dude. So anyway, Bob Greasy gets hurt, and so they say, hey, Grease, you know, you got to stay around and coach. And Woodley's going to have to play here as a rookie. Well, he wants them to coach him up, right? Coach him got up. It. Strzok can take us for now, but we want to get this guy ready. And it was, it was our rookie year. So he's come back uh, to the dorm, and we, we had our dorm rooms back there. He goes, man, fucking Bob Greasy wants me to learn all these coverages and shit. I said, Bob, <laughs> save your time, man. I look at one guy, and if he ain't open, I'm running. <laughs> and, and, that was and it. That was it. And so, you know, through the years, now I'm with Bob doing the broadcast, and Bob goes, yeah, man, that was the most fr-. You know, Bob studied everything, and <laughs> Greasy wanted to know if you're your hand was shaking what you were going to do. And he noticed checks that guys were doing on D and he could read coverages like, you know, like it was a third grade book. And Dave, David Woodley just didn't want to know as good as he was his rookie year. He did that playing Sandlot wow. football, just would run, would try to jump over guys and, and did enough that we were eight and eight, our, our rookie, his, our, both of our rookie years. But uh, So what's he calling in the huddle? So, I mean, what, if he doesn't know the coverages, 
and he's just learning the damn playbook. Well, he called the, the fundamental plays, but he didn't know everything that would go into it. Like, <laughs> if you had the certain play called uh, and, and his number one uh, read was covered, his ass was running. He was gone. He was gone, and he wasn't going to wait around to see how the, the pocket was holding up. His ass was gone. And did and you guys all off. know that as his teammates? You can't Everybody understand. knew it <laughs> and, and, and everything else. But he was, he was a wild, wild dude. And uh, there's some other stories. <laughs> They're so raunchy. I just, uh, I, I, I can't even, I can't even uh, tell him. One night, I'm in, I'm in bed. I, I can tell you this. I, trying to keep it somewhat clean. You're really going through this whole inner battle right now. So we don't want to force you into something I you just, don't want to do. I just got married. I just got married. And by the way, just kind of off season. It wasn't going to happen. I'd broken it off and went home to California. Next time, I got married. So I come back, and camp's just getting ready to, to start soon. You know, back in honeymoon, come back. Camp's going to start in a week or so. And uh, about 2 in the morning, and the phone rings. So it's David Woodley. Sweet pea. Sweet. Call me Sweet Pea for some reason. Sweet Pea. I hated that sweet name. Called me Sweet Pea. Sweet Pea. From Louisiana. Sweet Pea. He goes, I got two of the most beautiful twins. Girls, say hello to Joe Rose right now. We got to get him to come over right now. And he he ain't here. Now, through the phone, you know, my brand new wife, no longer with me, but is right next to me. Oh, you're you're with your wife. I I grabbed the phone. And he's calling you Sweet Pea with the twins. (laughs) Yeah. Back then, you know, I'm with all the guys. So, And, And so now the girls are on and they're talking dirty. What are they going to do to me when I come over? What are they going to do to me together? All this stuff. Been fine if it had just been before I left for the whole thing. But now, and so she's wide awake now. She's Seth, we're, we're three feet apart right now at this table. That's where she was. She was right oh my in the bed. And uh, that just. Didn't go over well? <laughs> that started what would become one of the greatest roller coasters you could ever put a human being through right there. <laughs> It was uh, like, oh, my God. And of course, she wasn't a big fan of David Woodley after that. I Correct. can't imagine. Right. Uh, but but David Woodley, we're on the side one day. And it's the only time I had this happen. We're playing a game. And, and David used to, when he struggled, he struggled. And like, even in the old Orange Bowl, they used to boo the crap out of him. You know, boo, boo, Woodley, you sink. Put Strzok in, you suck. And uh, his, his wife. Oh, he's yes. married. Yeah, he's married. That <laughs> was almost I as probably, awkward as the other pause. I probably right. should have told it the other way or maybe left the one out. Maybe you can take this part out. So anyway, she's in the stands. He, I don't know when he exactly he was married in college. or I mean, It had to be he was married in college because he's married when he got there. And uh, so security comes down, and, and he's over on the side, literally on the side, waiting to go in the game in preseason or a regular season. And the security guy taps him on the shoulder, and he goes, "He goes, yes, m- hey, uh, Mr. Woodley, well, let you know we had to uh, arrest your wife and put her down." <laughs> Wait, what? And he goes, "What?" He goes, "Well, we're just we're, we're trying not to arrest her, but a fan was ripping you for not playing well, and she punched him right in the face. <laughs> she jacked him. She jacked him. So what we're going to do is we're going to hold her down for the rest of the game. Down by the old OB, there was a." A little holding oh, area, a holding and, they had, and they had the security. Yeah, wife. there was no cell, but there was security down there around oh, her. And uh, <laughs> David, you can't make this shit up. This is unbelievable. <laughs> she had to be raising some so, hell now. So, oh no, she was she was throwing blows. You know, those guys are up there drinking right. and letting it go, and she's just throwing as many punches. <laughs> that little Louisiana girl, 
Wow. Out of Baton Rouge was letting it rip, man. She was throwing punches. And he was kind of a mellow guy, but she was she was defending her man. And that was the only Ride time. Ride or die right there, right. Juice. I, I had right. uh, I'd ever seen that. That yeah, she was blowing. So she how did he blowing. react? Was he just another day in no, the Woodley household? Just another day. Okay. Like, he, he, he called never, the twins. He, he never <laughs> called the twins. She's That's how we up, reacted. Yeah, she's, she's, she locked up all those <laughs> damn <laughs> twins. He, he ran into a pair of twins. My God. They were one of the greatest combination in the history of mankind. Combination package? Oh, my God. <laughs> Only that guy could find that combination package right there. But uh, And then the other guy, Marino, was actually, he wasn't very wild. Right. OJ, I, I, I tell people, they're waiting like, did he do drugs? Come on, did he do drugs? And I go, I did them all. He didn't do any. <laughs> uh, he never did yeah. them. He, he, like, yeah, we drink, drink yeah. but but he never he and, and Don Strock, no. Um the other weird thing I don't think OJ caught was though, but all those guys had Bruce Hardy on one side, Don Strock on the other, smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. Just, My goodness. That's that I don't crazy. know how they did that, man. Especially Come down in here. at halftime. Yeah. <laughs> in the locker room. In the locker room. And they were smoking. If secondary smoke kills, we got a lot of guys gonna die soon. Well, we just had John Bach in the tank recently, and and he's he's certainly a guy that would have appreciated that era, because Bach could go through some packs of cigarettes. Oh, he smoked too. Now. He was one of the oh, last yeah. of the oh, smokers, maybe oh, in the big league. Time. But back then, there were a lot big of time. guys smoking. Coaches used to come in at half and bump cigarettes from the players before, <laughs> and then they'd get together in team meetings, and guys would take a get that couple hits before they smoked on that cigarette, and then sprint right back out and play. Bruce Hardy played every special teams play. He played a lot in. I could never understand how he could do it. You know, speaking of smoking cigarettes, like I just thought about this when you talk about coaches. So you played under an offensive coordinator by the name of Gary Stevens. Yes, sir. Oh. Gary wasn't afraid to have a cigarette. So Gary, after practice, every day he would remember he'd go for that jog around the field. He'd take the shirt off. I don't know how many <laughs> laps he would do, but he'd go around as you guys got showered up or whatever before meetings, and then he'd fire up a cigarette after his run. And Joe brought it up on air one day. Gary Stevens, I don't know how the hell he does it. He, the only guy I know who can run for two miles and finish off with a cigarette. And it, and you heard his feelings with that. And Joe, Joe, why you got to go on there? Oh, he, you remember that? He got mad about that. And he also got mad. He was running one day, and it was raining, and the dye on his hair was coming down the side of his face. And I said, Coach, hey, listen, man, not for nothing. But you got that shitty dye in your hair is down on your face. And, and he was like, oh, shit. And he, ran, he had that orange-brown color oh, shit he had. And it was down on the side of his face. And and I was like, Coach, before your players see it, because they'll bust your balls a lot worse than yeah, I am right hair. now. Right. Like, like you, you, you got to get that. I'm glad you had his back. You got to get that fixed up. I did find one prank that worked on Marino because he, he usually you'd meet with a lot of people. You go out with you a lot, but but he had stuff going on. And, and I learned this from Bob Greasy because I saw the veteran players do it. Bob Greasy's last year, and they'd find out what room he was in and go down to the hotel restaurant right. and run up a big tab. I know this story. <laughs> I love it. Run up a big tab, and Grease would come back and. And he'd check out in the morning because that's when you had to pay your incidentals, right? Right. Or right. you get fined by the team. And if they had to pay it, they were pissed, right? And then you, you got back and they were mad and they were going to do it. So so Grease goes to check out thinking he's just going to turn his key and they go, you know, they hit him with like $700. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he gets hit so with $700. You guys $700. Bob Greasy on the. <laughs> so, so the whole offensive line and they invited some of the rookies and I'm watching this and, and they're running up a bill, man, in the hotel and, and they, it was Greasy. So, you know, now. <laughs> 
I'm waiting to get Big 13, man. Big 13 is is making money. Remember, he had the USFL after him, so he ended up getting a pretty good contract. And then, real quickly, he got the first million dollar a year guarantee contract right. for for the years on his deal. And then, player, yep. then he took off, and now you know he got more money and knows what to do with. But <laughs> same thing. One night we're all sitting around there. I go, shit, I got a great idea. You guys want to? <laughs> You want to freeload a big-ass dinner as long as we got to eat at the restaurant? They go, yeah, well, what do you got? I said, well, they got a pretty damn good steak restaurant downstairs. I'll pick that son of a bitch up. We'll, we'll go. So I grab all the guys, the whole group. He's out with his agent, out with Strzok. We ran that son of a bitch. Like, <laughs> we ran it up. So the best part was, you know, we all go over in the same buses. To really enjoy it when, when they go to check out, you go on to see the face. Because <laughs> you know they can. The steak. Yeah. You gotta, like Greece, Greece's last year was either the highest or second highest played player in the NFL from from his career, long career, Hall of Fame career. So now <laughs> I, I'm looking, and Marino's doing all the commercials in town. He's making a seven figure salary, but it was that damn look on his face when he went. I wasn't even fucking here last <laughs> night. I'll never forget it. I wasn't even fucking here last night. How can I? So we were rooming together. He goes, "You know anything about?" It? I go, "Fuck no. I didn't know what room we were in." And, and I knew he was going to come right over me. I go, "Dude." First of all, I was with somebody I went to school with here last night. I wasn't even here. <laughs> so, so, shit, that's messed up. And if you think, of, I mean, it's one of the greatest ones. You want to get somebody that's got money. You don't want to stick with somebody Correct. That, that can't afford you know, it. But if you're going to run a four or $500 bill up, at a, but what, by the way, stay at nice hotels. And, and the, the hotel prices, as you know, the nicer they are. Oh, they're jacked I up. mean, yeah. Sure. You, you get that little buffet breakfast. It costs you 40 bucks now. Easily. You know, it's, and so that dinner. For the Continental. Yeah. And even the even the steaks at the at these places. So I told him, get whatever you want, boys. This is gonna be it's awesome. On me. Load it up. What's the appetizers here, damn it? And get some drinks. Well, with that, in case you don't put it on our tab and we learn from the best, we gotta pay a few bills. We're gonna take a quick break and then we will be back with Sweet Pea. That's messed up right there. <laughs> Previously on the Five Reasons podcast, we were joined by Miami Dolphins receiver Jakeem Grant. Nobody knows, like I actually didn't start playing football. My mom put me in football because I also I love skating. And I made two dudes fall at the same time. And my mom was sitting there watching. And the next day, the next thing you know, she signs me up for football the next day. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, I just I just did that for fun. And it was the rest was history. Be sure to catch that episode and all the other episodes of the Five Reasons podcast available on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. This week on the Light Skinned Opinion Podcast. I'm a little salty, you know what I'm saying, one time for the Hurricanes, but I'm a little salty, though, because I'm a Florida State fan. I can't even argue with you, bro. We do look a little... little, I think the issue is even more so than just offensive line. When I'm watching Florida State play, I don't see any talent jumping off the screen. I don't see anything... They got a bunch of top five recruiting classes coming in, so I don't want to hear about the cover being bad, Recruiting classes be like that. You stop twerking in practice. Recruiting classes be like that till they get on campus. Every time I see a practice video from FSU, every time I see an FSU practice video, they dancing. Stop practice videos you tw- I see them on, on Twitter all the time. That, but that's the problem. It's a practice video and they dance. Yeah, they're out there twerking. That's Instagram. You're doing the doodle brown. Yeah, okay. and every time if we look hit at the somebody. hurricane, we hit the hurricane on Instagram. On.
Welcome back to the Fish Tank. A great story so far we've heard from Joe about Woodley and Greasy. And we ended up with a nice little story about Danny and how you took advantage of his tab at the hotel on the road right yeah. here. We got any food on the way here? Right. We're making sure that, you know. Listen, man, you can't do things. that. You got to find the right guy and the right <laughs> opportunity, but not be cruel about it. I, I have to tell you guys an, uh, another one. Now, see, I'm not even giving you guys a chance to ask questions. Go, go. This is great. Hey, fuck the That's format. It's, so, it's your world. So anyway, we, uh, we used to have, you know, ladies' nights were always big. And, and, and ladies' nights became big. There was a oh, big one it. in Palm Beach, Homestead. But Clayton and Duper used to find them. They were they were great. Th- those two, I don't know which one, but they would find them, and then we'd all go out. I'd end up somehow with sometimes Nat Moore in there with us, and, and we'd go out. <laughs> and, you know, just guys' night and, and hit it and, and uh, go out and have fun. One night, I went down with – I knew better. I ended up driving down with Duper to this place <laughs> in Homestead. <laughs> And I and at that time, Homestead. Wow, I was married to the first wife, and it was already it was a little strain on the whole thing. And from the twins, the, yeah. the, everything it was everything because you know they can never trust you once after that. You know you're yeah, you're on probation for life, man, or in this case, six years. But uh, so so anyway, it's like two three in the morning. It, we're having a blast. I go, hey guys, somebody got to get me home. I said, I, I, you guys ready to go? Hell no, man. We're having a great time, dude. We're ain't nobody going home. So I'm like, shit. So anyway, I had to wait. No Uber back then. None. So um my car was at Nat Moore's house. So finally, those guys all go back and Nat drops me off at his house and Pat, his wife, is out in front and goes, Joe, uh, I won't say my ex-wife's name, but she's already called and she's pissed <laughs> off. She's looking for you. Yeah. And and now had kind of an unwritten rule of the sun. If the sun was coming up. It was too late. Way too late. Way too late. And so, and now I'm, I'm pushing it. It's, it, it's, it, it's touching 6 a.m. I mean, it, it's way too late, you know? And I still had a little drive from North Miami to Fort Lauderdale. So uh, I got in that car and, and Pat, I'll never forget Pat out in front goes, and I think she's thrown all your shit out. In front. I think all your stuff's out. <laughs> she gave you a little heads so up. So she I apparently like got a scouting report. One of the greatest intel. scouting reports. So, so sure enough, man, I get home. And, oh, by the way. And the sun's just coming up. I knew I, I missed it by a few hours then. <laughs> a the, few the, hours. The <laughs> I missed it. You didn't just miss I it. I missed it badly. <laughs> and there I look, and my shit, everything I own, suits, shorts, underwear, socks, shoes, is all out. I lived over in the Harbor Beach area in mm-hmm. Fort Lauderdale over by 17th Street Bridge. And my shit was all over. It was all <laughs> over the place. And I knew that I was way, way too late. So I came home. She was obviously upset. So I went, I hadn't been to bed. So I jumped and went to take a little nap. So now I, I hear noise. Like I, I, I'm waking up, I sleep, I don't know, 9, 10, 11 o'clock. I hear something. So I, I, I get up and people are taking my shit. So she's telling them to take my stuff. <laughs> she, she, she's putting all the shit out that I own and tell them, hey, you want this? Take it. People are walking by, you know, down the tourist and shit or walking like up yard down sale, that way. It was a yard free. sale for free. <laughs> oh, hey, 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 that's Everything all I must own. go. That's all I own. You can't do that. And I felt like I got hit in the head with that, you know, a hammer from the amount I, I'd had. And it's like, oh, God. Did you run outside? Were you, like, taking shit back from people? Of course, <laughs> man. I was going, hey, 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 hey. 
I need that. Now, You're hell right, no. Right, right. No, that's a jersey. I want to keep that. You don't know. <laughs> hell no. So, uh, yeah, it was some crazy, crazy times back then. Oh, I sure. bet, man. Yeah, I know. And relationships with Duke and Clayton, they, they had to be unbelievable. I, we talked to Nat on the, on the tank as well, and, and Nat told some great stories about just clubbing days and, you know, I'd be out sometimes late and, you know, just take the fine in the morning going into work. He did. Of, yeah. He took the fine. Yeah. No, Nat was uh, – he owned the Inferno, as he told right. you, one of the greatest clubs. <laughs> one of the, it was the first time I'd ever really been in, in a inner city club. And I got to tell you, I was introduced to Red Bone. <laughs> All the combination packages. All the combination about. packages, OJ knows I like to talk about. We had a blast, man. I was there for his 30th birthday, and uh, man. That's good stuff, man. Uh, it, was, it was awesome. It was a great. It was a great night. It, it was fun. It was a he, great night. He was fun, man. I got to tell you, Nat was uh, Nat broke us in, and we had great guys. We had close teams and uh, good group of guys. We did. It was kind of the old school football. It's not like, and you know, the money was a lot different than right. even when OJ played. And and uh, he had to throw that in there. Yeah, hey, it's true. No, no, no. I mean it. Like, yeah. hey, listen, I tell everybody: thirty-five, forty-two, and fifty. The first three years. I remember the guy next door to live next door to me was an IBM guy, IBM sales guy. He goes, I got to ask you, man, you've lived in this townhouse for a while, this little 2-2 townhouse here in Pembroke Pines. Always curious, like, it's none of my business, but you know it's coming. How much money do you make? So I, so I told him, he went, damn, I make more money than you do. And I was like, yeah, man. I said, I know. Right. This is what You're we right. get, man. Right. This is what we get. It ain't real like, you know, it's kind of, hey, this is what you get. She said, Sign it, so I'm signing this damn thing. So, right, you know that's it. But uh, the money is, <laughs> as you guys know, is taken off and uh, crazy, crazy what these teams are Unbelievable worth. Unbelievable now. Hey Joe, let's talk a little bit more about about one Trey, Danny man. And I know you guys, you know, were roommates at one point. You also connected on the football field, but everybody knows also you caught Danny's first touchdown pass. Yes. Talk about a little bit about that first touchdown pass. I, it was a great catch, by the way, if you say so yourself. Back in the end zone. Back there? in the end zone. Like nice he said. Grab. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. No, okay. I appreciate that. <laughs> but but he, you know, he it wasn't much there. He <laughs> dropped it in like he did about four hundred of those bad boys. Yeah. At that point, how did South Florida feel about Danny as a quarterback? coming in and, and potentially being the game. Well, that was one of the games he didn't start. Mm -hmm. And he had a couple warm-up games where he was cleaning up. We, we were losing, and we were going through a, a bad time, and Woodley was starting. And we just, just wasn't getting going. And then he finally started playing more and more. And so it seemed like all his drives, he was scoring. So at first it was like, well, we're getting blown out. And so, you know, you can't really. And then it was like, well, he's moving that ball up. I mean, he, he's turned this thing into a two-minute drill. He's getting up and down. And, you know, we're scoring a lot of points pretty fast. And so then after that, he came in and, you know, I, I always feel badly, OJ, because all these rookies, everybody talks about them because um, of the standard he set. He came in after – he didn't come in game oh, day that's one. Right, that's right. But within four or five games, he, he was rolling along and, like, putting up even the game he loses to Buffalo's first start. He put up numbers where everybody went, oh, shit, we got a problem. We beat him today, but – they're really going to be good with this guy and and everything else. So he uh, he he really there there was a buzz around him. He he came in with a certain strut and confidence. I think his story is he kind of looked at David. You know, you come in the first day and he looked at Woodley and went, <laughs> "This is going to be my job in no time. As soon as I learn what's going on here and learn the system, this will be no big deal. I'm gonna this can be my team." And uh, about that time, Duke and Clay came in. Uh, it was a good group. 
Don Strock was the right guy for him. Took him under. You know how close Don Strock is with Danny. Mm-hmm. And uh, the rest became history, man. And for a long time with you and with uh, with a lot of guys. It, it's funny. He, he's he got a list of guys. Think about the ages Great of time, guys man. that he's played yes. with. From from guys in their mid-60s now to to guys Guys-ism. down right Mid-40s, after you. Yeah, mid-40s. Yeah. Absolutely. A lot, lot of dudes. Yeah. A lot of the guys 40, got yeah. in on the, on the action. Hey, he made a lot of us look good, man. He really did. Well, listen, you didn't have to be. You know, his old deal is you can't beat a perfect throw. That's right. And some of the other things he used to come up with, like, you know, you don't <laughs> have to DBs be open out. by yeah, a lot. Yeah, that's right. He's DBs like credit cards. Yeah. Take them out, use them whenever you want to. Right. Right. As soon as one guy talked shit to him, one DB oh, talked man. shit, it was like it became personal, like, uh, hey, man, I ain't going to your side. I'm going over here to asshole side. He's talking all this trash. <laughs> Beat him. They were playing the uh, – one of the teams out in uh, L.A., and one of them had picked them off and was talking trash. And uh, we, we just need a field goal to win. And you probably know what's going to happen. He goes, no. We're in there where it's close enough for a guy to kick a chip shot. He goes, no. It was third down. You know, we got the fourth down. He goes, no, run, run, run a little stutter and go or a little post pattern and go because they, wow. they already know we're close enough. He wanted to finish yeah, it. Yeah, the ball. Throw right, right there, at the man. guy. Threw right at the guy and then ripped him all the way off the field <laughs> as the game ended. And I was like, yeah, that guy, as soon as you talk shit to him, he, he it was on. Right. It was oh, on, man. man. Ultimate, he's a competitor, man. In practice, you see it in practice, you see it anywhere with Danny, always trying to win yeah. at all costs. And he was also one of the first guys that when things didn't go well <laughs> on the sideline, he, the guys were getting at, right? He was getting after it with guys, you know, and coaches and, and like, what a competitor Marino is over on the side. Right, right. He's letting everybody have it. What could this be about? You know, it was like crazy. <laughs> Hey, you caught that first touchdown, Joe. Where's the football? What's, what happened to the football? All right. That, there's so many things been said about this football. Yeah, that, that football, uh, as Marino is breaking all the records, I had two collectors within like a month of each. Two different guys offered me $50,000 for that ball. Wow. Which, by the way, right. You, just, you told us your three-year salaries. $50,000. And it was rough times back then. So Please I don't think, tell me it ended up on the front yard the night you were out in <laughs> oh, Olmstead. Hey. Please don't tell me so that. So I never had the ball. He you don't com- have the ball? He comes to me. He comes to me and he says, hey, man, you know, I got every ball, you know. And you, you, you've you been seeing his thing, you know, 100, 200, 300. Yeah, yeah. He goes, the only one I don't have uh, <clears throat> is that first one. I said, man, I said, I don't know where it is. And then, you know, everybody thought I had it for so long. and I nobody for sure you had it. So then – Mr. Heisinga moves into to the stadium, to now Hard Rock Stadium. He goes, hey, man, I'd like to have that football and put it in there. And, and I was like, oh, this thing's, good. <laughs> this thing's getting out of control now with this football. You know, now it's like I had a little fun with it, told people it was offered for it. The only problem is I don't have it. He doesn't have it. Who would that make a front runner to have that football? I know who I, I got, would put I, my I, money I put on. I my, my Bobby, Bobby Monica. Monica. Bobby, Bobby Monica, Monica, who I happen to talk to today. Bobby Monica. So Bobby, anyway. Did we ever find out? We never knew. I don't think anybody really Bobby ain't enough. telling. Actually, Marino could at that point. just It wasn't a big deal for him. Sur- well, surprising. You know, I'm going to tell you what. 400 was because he came into the locker room before that Saints game. He's like, look, my second hit's already at 398, yeah. I think, at that point. He's like, you know, my second touchdown pass today, I need that football. You know, so he already knew for one he was going to get. That's when you said that. That, that was yeah. big. Three that day. I caught, yeah, I got Did you catch 499, 400, 401. But well, I knew 400. Dude made sure to he was going to get 400 <laughs> one way well, or another. because he probably signed the ball because I got a 400 signed ball too that he signed at 400 and he signed a certain amount of footballs. Man, oh, man. And, yeah, uh, man. I've got was... one of those at the house, but I wish I had that <laughs> one. I Ooh, can't believe wait. you never had. I thought for years 
like, have you ever said that publicly that you actually don't have it? You've been running that gag for that, a long time. For a long time, and I do he not. He said he's a, a fake and a fraud I, and a phony. I did do, say I'm that. telling you guys, and for the he first did. time, I do not have that football. I, I think Marino knows I don't have the football. I've told him. Okay, good. Can't BS And you never had it. I never had it. Wow. First time I'm telling you this. I, I feel like. You know, a little kid, when you find out that Santa Claus Santa, isn't yeah. real, I can't believe you don't Wait have a minute. that ball. Kids, kids listen to this podcast, man. Yeah, so we're going to edit that part out. I feel like a little kid when you find out the tooth. Never mind. No, go. no, no. I, I'm but broken. I, I'm broken. It is. Fu- you're right because, and then the day, you know where I was. Kids better I, not be listening. I was to at this the friggin' podcast. Honda Classic, and Dudley Hart was winning the tournament down here, and everybody liked old Dudley. He was a local guy. He plays his ass off in the last nine holes and wins this tournament. It was one of the PGA events, right, at the old Honda Classic. So we're walking around. A guy comes up to me and says, hey, man, I want to talk to you some business. All right. You know, I'm a collector. And at that point, whatever it was, was the was the Marino stuff and, and uh, was doing real well. He goes, hey, the first ball, I understand you have it. <laughs> and all I could think, we offered me $50,000. $50, and then the same guy, another guy offered me $50,000. I was like, I don't know how the hell they come up with these things. Right, These prices on. So, it. how close were you to just grabbing a ball from the back of the equipment room? And but I didn't know after all those it. years if I could have found the. I don't even know if it was the same. Right, the Duke or commissioner or who the hell it was. Roselle had one of those old nasty balls, man. I figured you would have had some scam and had that thing out there. That is fantastic. Well, I'm I'm a little conflicted over it, but it is a great story and just breaking news here in the tank, which is amazing. We got to do that here on this first podcast I've ever done. Oh man, thank you. Well, we're, we're, this is we're great, gonna man. have to have you yeah. back. This has been awesome. Yeah, well, we're just scratching the surface with Joe Rose, the big dog. There's so much. <laughs> See the look on his face. We're just so scratching much yeah. the surface. You know, this what? is really just an intro. This is. <laughs> this is like an intro. Well, Joe, listen, I don't want to keep you here all day. Although we we probably could, we definitely would love to have you back. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Now, Juice, Joe, and I have been. Joe, I mean, you guys have a great relationship. I think my closest friend in the media since my internship year in 1996 was Joe. Joe treated Mm -hmm. me, you know, even as a young guy, he treated me with respect. I mean, he busted my chops, all that stuff. But I really, you know, Joe, you were at the wedding. I actually have a great picture from the wedding with the two of you guys standing next to each other at my wedding. But always been really close. Man, it's funny. We've all three uh, been through a lot of stuff, right? Yeah. We've seen the good and the bad. No question. uh, (laughs) No question. And uh, stuff. I've got OJ's mother. Lori, I got her thing still up in my uh, desk, along awesome. with Jim Mandage. So awesome. we've awesome been through stuff, it. Yeah, we have brother. been through it. And you've always been there for me. I could always reach this guy. Never had trouble. Till recently. Man, the last <laughs> month, Juice, I couldn't reach this guy for anything. Hey, honestly. And, and I was like, I don't know if he's honestly, stuck in the podcast. No, no, I couldn't no, get no. him out to the back-to-school shopping without, event. Without getting into details, <laughs> I, I've been through, like, it's been a I had to miss a game, man. It's been a it's been a little rough uh, rough run here. Well, I hope you're doing stuff, okay. Yeah. So, but, but selfishly, we're, we're coming back, I was baby. like, "What the hell?" I'm texting him. <laughs> so now you ready for it? I get a call. Someone says, "Hey, we're looking for someone to do an appearance. We need them to do a Q and A. We need to. They have money now. They're now, as you know, and I don't know if people listening know, there's tiers, right? There's the twenty five thousand dollar guys. There's the ten thousand dollars guys. They came in with a number. I presented a group of guys. They said we want Joe Rose. I texted Joe. Joe Rose is here in the fish tank. It's great to have you, man. I appreciate you getting back to me. It's like I got paid a lot of money to do yeah, this, man. man. <laughs> hey, guys, thank you very much, man. It's been really cool. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for diving in, Joe. You're now diving into the fish tank.
down with Seth living. Seth. OJ, Ju Juice Woo! Man, ooh, and this is strictly for them true fans, yeah. golf fans. Number one, one. of course, y'all. This ain't no ordinary sports talk. Dive up in that fish tank. Go get your aqua orange. Yeah, it's time to dive up in that fish tank. It's only legendary talking when you dive up in that fish tank. Rocking with OJ and Seth when we dive up in that fish tank. Uh, uh, fans with attitude, we okay, better dive up in that fish tank. Celebrate big or cry hard. Leave it all on the field, we gon' try hard. Old school, a new school, mix it in. Feeling like we up close when we listening. Dolphins tales, in Miami is the deep end. We vibing with our favorite players, no secret. We get with Seth and McDuffie. Bringing up stories we never heard to the public. Bet we love it, Dolphins fans never budget. We loyal to the team, whether happy or we upset. We be like, what's next? Don't switch the subject, you know it's all about them fans. And if you ready for that water, time to dive in. Don't switch the subject, you know it's all about them fans. And if you down with Dolphins Nation, time to dive in. Don't switch the subject, you know it's all about them fans. You looking at that fish tank, it's time to dive in. Go get your aqua orange, yeah, it's time to dive up in that fish tank. It's only legendary talking when you dive up in that fish tank. Rapping with OJ and Seth, time to dive up in that fish tank. Dog fans were at a talking about the dive up in that fish tank.